<laughs> mate, it was so good over there. You should have come over there, mate. We had loads of us in there. It was so we've, good. We, we've got we've got Iffy on here though, and Molly, and we've got Megan, we've got all sorts of people. We've got Scarlet, Scarlet's on here. Yeah, Dale. Bye. I just want to say, Dale, thank you so much. And yeah, we we met a few months back uh, on Clubhouse, and again, anyone that's on Clubhouse and is connected with any of us, you know full well the relationship that we've all built on here. So it's just like we've known each other forever. Like with family, us guys here. So, Dale, I just want to say I really appreciate you, my friend. Um, so, yeah, let, let's get going. And that, that experience that you just said about, about the little square, I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. Um, and that was my actually out-of-body experience. So some of you guys that are listening have heard me speak before, and obviously some of you haven't. So anybody that's new here, thank you for being here. And I'm literally going to tell you a story now, how sometimes your most profound periods of pain can also turn out to be your greatest gifts of growth. Because I honestly believe that adversity can quite often turn out to be a blessing in disguise. From my own personal experience, I have found that adversity is the prerequisite to growth, success and true happiness. I believe hidden at the very core of adversity is the key to progression and lifelong happiness. It isn't going to be easy to find this key obtained it, it will unlock the barrier to your next level of life. Adversity can be a gift. We choose to let it be. My name is Ryan Nurse and I am a traumatic brain injury survivor and thriver who also suffered from and overcome depression. So coming up to 10 years ago now, back in 2011, I was attacked on the way home from a nightclub. So 18 years old which I was at the time I mean I was like a little boy I was a young boy I like to say I was so small and thin and frail and 18 years old this whole going out clubbing nights out going to bars pubs etc with friends yeah, like you you can tell me the same like it's so it's this new world like it's so exciting like you just want to go out there with all your friends and just yeah enjoy the night and have a really really good time um, yeah, and on that Saturday evening, I did. I had an amazing time with some friends. And we went to, say, a nightclub, not too far from where I am now. And we'd go there maybe twice, sometimes even three times a week because we enjoyed it that much. And we, we knew everybody as well. Like, it was that community-type feel about it. And in the club that evening, there were some guys there, and we hadn't seen them before in the club. and they looked like they were out to cause trouble that, that evening. So we were just, everyone was sort of watching carefully of what these guys were up to. And sort of long story short, I don't want to go into it too much, but basically what happened was these guys end up arguing some older friends of ours because these guys that we didn't know, they were a little bit older than us, but they looked double our age because we were only so young. And they were arguing with some of the older I'm saying older in air quotes, friends of ours, maybe like five, six years, seven years older than us. And they got into this argument. There was no, say, fist thrown at all. It was just a verbal argument. People had been drinking, etc., and just sort of um, emotions were high and tensions were raised. And arguing, and it, it all sort of got split up. And then that was the end of it. So we fought. So me and a few friends of mine, it was two guys and one girl. We decided to leave the club that evening and off the top of my head, I can't really remember, but in all honesty, we used to leave at probably, let's say around three o'clock, maybe a little bit later in the morning. So this would have been Sunday morning now. And we left the club. We got in a taxi. For whatever reason, these guys followed us out and they sort of squeezed us from the taxi. They didn't want us to be in that taxi and they basically forced us out. And again, there was a, a sort of verbal argument with these guys. And then in the end, we decided to say, OK, that's enough. Let's just get in another taxi and make our way home. Because time was getting late and we were all tired. And obviously everyone had been drinking too. So we got in a separate taxi and made our way home. However, the taxi that thrown out of us followed us back. We were driving home and it was literally two turns. And then a radio come through to our taxi driver's uh, walkie-talkie. So he answered it and they instructed us to pull over, which our taxi driver decided to pull over. 
And again, we, we're sat in the car, in the taxi and we're saying to the driver, like, why are you pulling over? And this, this road was just pitch, pitch black. You couldn't see a thing. So we, we're just begging him to just carry on driving. And he didn't. He pulled over and he stopped. And we're just confused. We're thinking, what's going to happen next? And these headlights just pull up behind us. So the three of us are sat in this taxi, not knowing what's going to happen next. And then suddenly there was a there was a knock on my friend's window. So it was passenger side front. But as he opened the window, by a fist, he started to get punched through the window. So I was like, oh, my God, like it was just we didn't know what to do. So I done what any sort of normal person would do and just grab my door to open it to obviously try and stop this guy from hitting my friend. But I hadn't even taken my seatbelt off yet. And as soon as I opened my door on the left-hand side of me, I opened my door and the door was just ripped open. And that same guy that was punching my friend come round to my door and he just started to punch me. But I'm obviously sat there in my seat with the seatbelt on still. And Dale, like, have you ever been, say, in a car and someone, say, suddenly breaks? really sharply and it locks yeah from it right you, you i'm literally glued to the back of my seat so just imagine getting punched in the head multiple times this isn't one two three not even 10 times this is more than 10 times this is multiple times and it was like a machine gun to my head there was no sort of there was no no rest or anything like there was no time when i could just go oh come on like give me a break sort of thing it was just constant and all I was focused on was just getting this seatbelt clasped undone. I was just focusing on pressing that little red button down there. And I'm just going, Ryan, you need to get this belt undone. And I, I was obviously panicking. I was scared. I was nervous. I was getting punched. My head was hurting. I didn't know what to, to think. And every time I tried to fall down, I literally couldn't because I was glued to the back of my seat. But then finally, I did obviously manage to get the buckle undone. And as soon as I did... I literally exited the car through the driver's side rear on my right-hand side. And I remember the girl that we were with, I, <laughs> I saw her handbag and shoes on the floor. And I just picked them up and I run. And I, knew, I obviously knew the area and I, I knew there's a road opposite. So I just run down that road. And not once did I think to call the police or the ambulance. I was that nervous and my head was that sore and it was so heavy. I was thinking, I need to get back to my own home, like the safety of my bed and just get home. So I literally remember I was stood up against this big bush and I called a friend because I knew uh, two friends were driving around in one car and they come and pick me up. And basically to cut this sort of story a bit shorter, they drove me back to my parents, which was maybe a five, ten minute drive max. And the whole way my friend was going to me, Ryan, do you want me to take you to hospital? Because I was obviously complaining how heavy and how sore my head was. And it was like, it was like this gyroscopic feeling. I remember my head was just going woo, just round and round in circles. And it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't keep my head up. Every time I lifted my head, you know, like when you're on an aeroplane and you, you fall asleep and your head does that nodding, it was doing that by itself. Oh my God. Like just looking back now, I can just remember every sort of minute of that drive back. And my friends were just adamant they're going to take me to hospital. And I just begged them not to take, I just thought I'd drunk too much and I'd be okay in the morning. But the very last thing that I remember was grabbing the handle of my parents' home. Now I can obviously only speak to you in, like, through the eyes of my parents. Apparently I went in and I'd done what I usually done on, say, a Saturday or early hours Sunday morning after going out. So I went up to bed, went up to my bedroom, and I took my clothes off, obviously. I folded them up nice and neatly, put them down at the side of the bed, and I got into bed. And said that I was vomiting and it was this jet black vomit. Like nothing they'd ever seen before. Like, you know what vomit looks like. It, it just looks like food, really horrible food. Um, mm. But it was like this jet black color, which my parents said they'd never seen before. So my mum, like this, is it what do they call it? Like, is it maternal instincts? Like my mum knew deep down that there was something not right. Mm. But, th but then my dad, as your dads do, was like, no, he's fine. Like he's, he's had way too much to drink. He's been drinking Sambuca shots. Uh, like he'll be fine in the morning. But again, like my mum knew deep down, like something, something with with her son was not right. So they just obviously monitored me, monitored me throughout the night. 
And now we're talking early, early, very early hours of the next morning, like the, the morning of the Sunday. And luckily, my older brother, which wasn't there at the time, got a call or a text from a friend of ours to say, is Ryan OK? Because he was really beaten up. So that's a raise alarm bells, which my brother then called my parents and say, is Ryan OK? Which they obviously said no. They tried to wake me up and then they failed to wake me up. So with that being said, obviously the paramedics and the ambulance was called where they rushed to my house and they literally just got me in the back of the ambulance and rushed me to the local hospital. And my mum obviously followed in a separate ambulance whilst my dad stayed at home to look after my siblings and say, make sure the, the ship was still sailing at home because everything still needed to be sorted. Dinners needed to be sorted. Everything else needed to be sorted. And my mum was just waiting there, waiting in the in the reception room of the hospital when nobody would tell her anything. And it got to a point there where my mum was listening and she was literally adamant that she heard my voice from down at the corridor. So she was quite filled with joy then. Mm. So she thought, oh, thank God for that. Ryan's okay. So she followed that voice. And she kept following the voice down further down the cor- corridor. And the further she got, the louder, obviously, the voice got. And it got to the point she found the room where the voice was coming from. So she went into that room, but sadly realised that voice wasn't my voice. So one moment she's literally up here thinking Ryan's okay, down to a rock bottom thinking that's not my son. So was it in her head then? It was in her head, yeah. It was literally her mind was obviously playing tricks. Your mind plays tricks on you. She heard a voice and she was adamant that was my voice. I live, I live with my mum. I was born from my mum and she was adamant that was her son's voice because I'm guessing she was in so much panic and pain, stress, whatever you want to call it. Like the emotions were obviously running and flooding through her body. Her mind was just playing tricks thinking, oh, that, that is her son. But it wasn't. So she was obviously asking for questions um, like what's happened to my boy? Like when's he going to be out, etc. And the doctors didn't really know, in all honesty, themselves. So they was just quiet for, for, I'm saying, half an hour to an hour. But then it got to the point where they did come out and they said to my mum, um, look, it, it does really look like a severe head injury. Um, we're going to take him via air ambulance to the specialist hospital where he's going to go for an emergency brain operation. So for any parent, like awful news. Like My mum saw me, say, only just a few hours prior, going on a night out as I'd done since I was 18. She saw me going out with my friends all nice and happy and joyful to your son is going to be air ambulance to a specialist hospital where he's going for a brain operation. I just imagine what my mum was thinking. But then they didn't air ambulance me. They took me via blues and twos to the hospital. And luckily my dad soon arrived then. So my parents obviously followed in pursuit to the, to the hospital where I was being operated on. And obviously the ambulance got there before my parents. Mm. And yeah, I did have to go straight in for an emergency brain operation where I suffered from a fractured skull and a blood clot due to a bleed on the brain. My parents didn't actually get to see me until about 6 p.m. that evening because bearing in mind, I think I went into hospital about 11 in the morning on Sunday. They probably was following me up, let's say around 12. Uh, mid-afternoon and they didn't get to see me until six o'clock that evening because they couldn't locate me in the other hospital they were just rushing around and panicking and asking all the questions where is my son and nobody knew so just imagine i can only imagine like what was going through my parents say body like emotions thoughts feelings etc and they finally obviously did manage to locate me and when they did get to see me i was actually in the intensive care unit on a life support machine in a coma so just imagine that, guys, like your son's gone from going out on a simple night out, which he'd done every weekend to enjoy yourself, to your son sat in a coma in an intensive care unit. So then the guy come around that done the operation, the specialist, and they saw my mum and dad and they told him, obviously, what had gone on and obviously the injuries that I'd sustained. And they said, due to these injuries, we are literally not, it's not looking hopeful for Ryan at all. and it would be very, very unlikely that he's not going to pull through the night. So my parents were obviously 
gutted, heartbroken, like their son is in hospital on a life support machine in a coma and he will probably not make it through the night. Like it's horrendous news. Like, what parent would ever want to hear that news from somebody else's mouth? I and parents, mate, they're thinking it'd be they'll be more than feeling gutted, mate. Yeah, gu- gutted. Like, I'm sure that's one of many words that you could use for this. Day. That's like, like it's, it's you know, like I'm lost for words, and I, I obviously went through it. My parents, like, <coughs> I can only imagine what they went through. Um, and yeah, they just sat there for the whole. Until they had the until they had to leave, they just sat there and just watched the machine just beep whilst I just lay there basically dead. And yeah, they went home. They obviously broke the news to my friends and family, and everyone was obviously gutted, as you say, sad, upset, devastated. And then the second day, they obviously returned. I was just there laying there, and again, the doctors and specialists said that we are so surprised that Ryan is still alive, like still still here. Yeah, he's on the life support machine, but. It's a miracle, really, that he's still here. And again, nothing happened that next day. But then on the third day, however, doctors called my parents before they turned up and they said, like, you need to come up today because we've got some sort of major news. So my parents knew deep down, like, what the news was. So they obviously went up to the hospital that morning and they left my, say, siblings at home. It was just mum, dad and my grandparents. And as they arrived at the hospital there, they went into the ICU where I was and then they got told to go into this separate smaller room where they saw the specialist that done the operation on me. And he literally invited my parents to sit down there and he said, look, due to the severity of Ryan's injury and because there is zero brain activity, we would highly suggest that you switch the life support machine off. And my dad was literally the one who saved my life. My dad stood up and he said there and then, like, no way. This machine isn't getting turned off. Like he goes, I decide when this machine gets turned off. Like this is my machine. I own it, and I'll tell you when it gets turned off. And by doing that, my dad ultimately saved my life. The doctor, he he, he couldn't reply to what my dad said. He couldn't reply to it because if that was hey his child, what, what would you do if you, if that was your child laying there? You wouldn't switch it off. No. I mean, it'd be a very tough decision to make, and. People, like even today, right now as we're speaking, somebody's probably making that difficult decision with their loved one, and it's so hard. But my dad ultimately saved my life. Again, over the next few days, there was no movement at all, nothing. I'm just laying there, brain dead. They kept saying I'm brain dead. And then he said, look, we would really suggest that you switch this machine off still. My dad said, no, he's going to wake up because Ryan takes his own time to do anything. Like He's a stubborn little bugger. He takes his own time to do anything. So just give him that time. So they give me the time. And then it got to the time when they come around and they said, look, we're going to reduce the sedation and bring him out of the coma. So my parents were obviously so, so excited. And they said, look, he's going to pull through. And that day that they reduced the sedation, I didn't. I, I wasn't breathing by myself. So they had to put me straight back into the induced coma. And again, the specialist said, look, it's so unlikely that Ryan's ever going to pull through. Like, we still suggest that you switch the machine off. But again, my, my parents, my, my loved ones, my family were just adamant. They had that hope and they knew deep down that I was going to pull through. They said, no, we've got to try again. So then the next day they tried again. But then thankfully for me, the second time they reduced the sedation, I literally started to breathe by myself. And obviously my parents were filled with joy. But don't get me wrong, it, it wasn't like I was eyes closed and just sat up and was speaking. No, I was just breathing. Like my body was just functioning by itself. I was still, say, just out of it. I wasn't there with it. I was still, who knows where I was. And nobody knew, that, say, the severity of my injuries. Hence the doctor saying, if Ryan still wakes up from this, because he, he still might not wake up. If Ryan ever wakes up, he will never walk or talk again. And he would be in a vegetative state for the rest of his life. So again, just imagine as a parent, if there's any parents here, I'm just looking through the comments. If there's any parents, just imagine hearing that news from somebody's voice or somebody's mouth saying that your son will never walk or talk again and be in a vegetative state for the rest of his life. But then you've got that courage. Like My parents had that courage to say, no, look, 
we're willing to do whatever it takes to get him to come back because we know deep down that he's going to pull through. So then over the coming days, obviously there was a, there was a, that was about a week period where I was in a coma. Oh yeah, one week period. But then there was still another week period where I was just, I wasn't with it. I was just laying there. Yeah, bearing in mind there was sort of signs of minimal movement to start with. And there was a funny point where my, uh, my grandma leant down into my right ear and she went, Ryan, open your eyes. So I was laying there and I went, and I just stared at her. Apparently I just stared into my nan's face and my parents were just filled with this joy and excitement. So they rushed over to the doctors and they said, he's alive. Straight away, they just say dismissed every hope and joy that my parents and loved ones have. And they said, no, look, this is just electrical impulses. This is just what happens to everyone. Like, he's not alive. And my parents and family were saying, no, he is alive. Like, he can hear us. We know he can hear us. And they were just like, no way, he can't. He, he, he can't. He's not listening. This is just all electrical impulses. But then again, over the next few days, there was times where my parents might ask me questions like, do you own a motorbike or do you drive a car? And I would slowly say either shake or nod my head, depending on the question. Only a small amount. It was so minimal movements. There might be a twitch of a finger or a twitch of a toe. But my parents knew deep down that I was alive. I was awake. There was something in there. There was something in there. They knew. And then it got to the point, Dale, where I'm going to talk you through my out-of-body experience. The very first time that I remember waking up, and I like to say, being back on planet Earth. Yeah, dude, I, th- I think it's important to check in there because it's like, I think, I think your story as a whole is just insane. Like, the emotions that anyone listening to that, I know for a while when you shared that, it's in particular in the clubhouse room when you're in when you're in the winners in London, which is awesome. Um, so many emotions were, were threaded throughout the entire morning because of your story. Um, but I reckon this this story's got two parts. It's almost like the sliding doors movie, whereby you've got the Ryan's story through the eyes of his family, and Ryan's story through the eyes of this kind of like my creator is what I like to yeah. call it. So, so, and, and this is what really fascinates me because it's like, <clears throat> I want to dig into this as well. Um, I kind of want to give you a break and I want to give everyone else listening a break as well. Have a drink of water, chill out. Because that, that's, there's no word for, for a, it sh- a, a parent should never have to go through that. We are evolved away from the animals. We shouldn't be hitting each other. The human body is not designed to be hit and punched. It's designed for creation and love and procrastination and and adventure and growth, not beating the shit out of each other. That's just animalistic and adolescent and pathetic and insecure and like Neanderthalish. That's what it is. Um, and I do. I'm sure there's plenty of people that want to ask some questions like revenge and stuff. I already know the answers to them, so I'm not going to dig into that. I'll let someone else answer them uh for yourself though it's like as 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 we spoke earlier today kids these days don't know what happens when they die i've had a lot of kids come to me and they get confused into thinking "Hmm, what happens when you die do you become worm food do you go to heaven do you go to hell do you go as a ghost whatever and it's scary and you shared with me very vulnerably actually dude how scared you were when you were growing up thinking what happens when you die um so this is very confusing. I'm open-minded and I think it's phenomenal. And especially coming from your lips, because you were a very down-to-earth, logical, point-blank, tell it as it is kind of guy. You just like, boom, tell it as it is. There's no reason why you, you'd bullshit. This is your own experience. So, ladies and gentlemen, what I want to do, I want to invite you all to listen to Ryan's story part two. What actually happened inside of his head? (laughs) (laughs) So, dude, over to you, my man. Oh, Dale, yeah, no, thank you, my friend. And I I love that as well. Um, And this is, like, guys, you don't have to believe this at all. Like, entitled to their own beliefs, opinions, etc. So this is just my experience of my life and my out-of-body experience. And I've got no reason to make this up. Exactly. I believe, I mean, people used to say, 
say, like, I'm a bit like catchphrase, like when I was younger. They, they say, like, you literally say what you see. <laughs> and I do, I literally just say what I see. I say things how I see it. Um, so, yeah, for me, this is, this is the next stage to my, say, journey in hospital. So now we're talking, coming out of, say, the second week, I'm guessing now. Yeah, let's say around the second. Or we might have just passed the second week. I can't be too sure off the top of my head. Um, but basically, this is the time when I realised that I was actually alive. So bearing in mind prior to this, what I've just been speaking about, everything, I'm just speaking through, through my parents' eyes because I was obviously unconscious and I was basically laying there on death's doors. Witness in this out of body experience whilst in a coma. I mean, you may have heard these stories, say online or on TV, etc., about people um, having these out of bodies or near death experiences. And I'm just going to tell you my story of what I saw. So yeah. some some people believe in say karma or afterlife or um, reincarnation. Sorry, um, I'll tell you exactly what I saw and believe it or not or not, it's down to you. So. What I saw whilst in the coma, I literally remember just viewing myself through, like I say, what I can only say is the eyes of my creator. Because I honestly believe, like, we've all got, say, a maker or a creator. Like, can we, say, as humans, be on this planet that's just a rock spinning in the universe? And we, uh, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I don't have all the answers. What I saw is me viewing myself through the eyes of my creator. I'm literally laying there on this hospital bed. I'm just here. I'm literally here. Not, I'm not up there. I'm just literally just above my head and I'm just viewing myself laying on this hospital bed. Looking down on and you in this bed. Literally, it's not even, yeah, it's just looking down, but it's not even too far. Let's say half a metre, I'm, I'm, I'm watching through eyes of something else. Eyes, but it's like it could be I don't know I've looked into this now it could be say a guardian angel for instance it could be a guardian angel it could be who I don't know so you, didn't, you didn't see any of your entity like your hands or whatever it was just it yeah, was no just, yeah I'm looking I can see everything but I'm looking through the, not my it, eyes I'm not looking through my eyes it's, ah okay so it's, it's not somebody like, else's eyes right so, so I'm not, looking I'm looking at me somebody else's eyes okay okay so I'm literally watching as I'm being pushed on this hospital bed and they're pushing me and I'm just watching like I say only just here just above my left left side of my head and I'm just watching this whole experience unfold and they're pushing me down this cobbled street or cobbled back alley that small pathway and I like to compare it to Coronation Street you know the cobbled street it's literally exactly the same as, as that and it was so bumpy there's these two big black ladies and they were quite large in size and they're pushing me down this cobbled back alley. And I'm just watching. And as they're, spe- as they're pushing me, they're speaking in this unknown language. It's not even foreign. It's not like it's a French or Italian or, or Spanish. You name it. It's, it's, it's not a foreign language. It's an unknown language. So it's not, it's not, it's not, they're not nurses. Uh, yeah, I think they were nurses in all honesty. I don't, I don't know what they were. They were just the people pushing me. So they're pushing me, but they're, they're, they're almost shouting at each other in this unknown language. By the way, dude, before you go any further, Tiberius has just joined on. Tiberius, if you, I want you to, if you can, mate, follow Ryan because, and interview him on your, on your um, channel because this is a phenomenal piece. Talking about law of attraction, Tiber, uh, Tiberius, check out Ryan. Sorry, mate, I just had to say yeah, that. Yeah, no, thank you, Darren. No. He knows his stuff. So you were being pushed on this cobble street by these giant um black nurses or whatever they were yeah that were speaking a very unknown tongue yeah exactly that they're speaking this language and they're like i say they're almost arguing or shouting at each other and i'm just watching them but as i'm watching just say like i say slightly from above they're pushing me and as they're pushing me sort of down this street or this alley i'm bumping on the cobbles and i'm watching my body fall down the bed hearing this whisper in my ear saying don't drop him don't drop him and it just kept repeating don't drop him just whispering don't drop him and i just heard it kept repeating and repeating and repeating i'm thinking they're gonna drop me they're literally going to drop me and i just saw my legs getting closer to the end of the bed i'm thinking oh my god they're gonna drop me they're gonna drop me 
But then suddenly there was, there was just this huge giant on the left-hand side, giant glass sliding doors. And as we made it to these giant glass doors, they just made this sharp left turn into the doors and they just opened up. And then we went into this sort of reception area, this giant reception area. It was just like this huge place. And I remember there was this um, uh, like desk, like it sort of curved around, like a curvy desk at the front there. And there was a lady just stood there. And these two ladies pushed me in to this reception area. And as they pushed me in, they were sort of shouting back and forwards between each other and to the lady at the reception. And then suddenly she just pointed to her left, which was obviously to their right, to our right as we're going in. So she's pointing, just literally pointing at her left and just looking at them. And I'm thinking, well, there's nothing at the left. It's just a solid brick wall. Well, that's what I thought anyway. So as we sort of made it in, we started to turn left. And as we went, or we turned right, obviously, to, to her left, as we turned right towards this brick wall, I'm sort of just watching now from a distance in this reception area place. And I'm just watching them push me towards this brick wall. But then as I'm watching, they're speeding up. They're getting faster and faster and faster. But then the thing is, like, it's, it's quite hard to explain this now. Like, I'm watching from a distance and they're getting faster and faster. Going anywhere? I don't know how to explain it, but they're getting faster. But they're not moving closer to the, to the wall. But they're moving very slowly towards this wall. And I'm thinking, I don't understand this. And it got to the point where they're literally going at like light speed. They're pushing me so fast. I could just see how fast they're pushing me. And I'm thinking, they're going to hit this wall. And I'm just watching from a distance thinking, they're going to hit the wall. They're going to hit the wall. They're going to hit the wall. And then I just saw them. Bam. The gurney made impact with this solid brick wall. And as it did, it was like a giant cat flap. And this cat flap just opened up. Literally, the, the wall opened up like a cat flap and the hospital bed just went like that and lifted me up and slid me down. It was almost like I was going for a slide. And as soon as I fell, say, into this wall, this was over here just got sort of sucked over there and I was back in my own body. What? Now I'm viewing this experience through me, through my eyes. So this what? thing, this thing, I don't know where it went. Oh, OK. So you're still in it. OK, so you've. This thing, the, the entities, I'm going to catch myself up. The entity that was looking at you go through this experience. Was in here now, watching. Was, I was in my own. And you're looking through your own eyes. So you've got so eyes. I literally, I literally fell through the wall. Right. Fell through the wall. And then I was sort of got taken my body from this thing that I was viewing. And your eyes were open at this point. When you my, my eyes are open. My eyes are open and I'm falling. Hmm. Did you know that falling sensation? I don't know, you oh. may have fallen out of a tree. Or, yeah, Dale, you would have felt it when you'd done your um, thing on TV, when you when you done the sl slide and you fell. You got that <laughs> sensation around your body, right? That falling yeah. sensation. Like, you're not, no one's holding you or anything. You've got nothing around you. You've just got the sensation of just falling. Mm. Like a yeah, skydive. Like a skydive, yeah. But then I had, say, nothing. Like, there was nothing on me. It was just me falling. And it was just, pitch black just darkness all around me did you see could you see your hands could you see what you're wearing did oh, you... yeah i saw my body i could see my body but just everything was just pitch black literally like just doing that like with, with your hands over your eyes i couldn't see a single thing so then i'm just falling thinking like what's what's next it was like i was in like this <laughs> massive dream like what's next i kept saying to myself like just thinking what is next mm. and i'm falling i'm falling i'm falling but there was no time in this place. I, I could have been falling for a few minutes, a few days, a few hours, weeks, I years. I don't know. I was just falling forever. It just felt like forever. And then as I'm sort of looking around this place, I'm just looking for anything, for answers, for something. And then, it, again, it was sort of down towards my left, right down there. And again, I can't give you a distance, but it was like there, like so far away. square outline so just imagine say uh, you've got a pen and paper and you just draw a square it was like that just an outline but it was a, a white square and it was glistening it was glowing like a glowing glistening square and mm -hmm. as i saw it say down there towards my left i'm i'm looking at this thing and i'm i'm falling towards this square bearing in mind it wasn't like i was here to there 
like I was falling there forever. Taken again, days, weeks, I don't know. I was just falling towards this thing slowly but surely because it was getting slowly bigger and brighter the closer obviously I fell towards this thing. But then it got to a point where I obviously got closer and closer and closer to the point where it was so big and so bright. I remember like the intensity of say the, the glistening square. I closed my eyes and literally like that, as I closed my eyes, I felt my feet touch something. And it was like I was, when you're coming on a slide, yeah, when you go on a slide, it could be swimming or in a, in a park, etc. When you're coming off the end, you get that feeling of sort of swooping out the end of a slide. Yeah. I got that feeling. I literally just, my feet hit and I swooped out the end of this slide. And then next thing you know, I'm literally there. Bam. I'm in this hospital bed. I'm just watching from above again. Well, so, so now you're back in the hospital bed and you're watching from above or watching here? I'm here. I'm up here from the left above. Is, is it you or is it... No, this is through the eyes of... Whatever that thing was. I'm watching me and I'm laying there now in the hospital bed. And all this in this place is just me, hospital bed, and then people say it could be doctors, surgeons, specialists, I don't know. And they were just working on me. I, I just watched them work on me. And there was no pain, bearing in mind. There was, uh, there was no, like, blood or, or sinew, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know the right word. But there was no blood and guts or whatever you, you want to call it. There was nothing. It was just, hey, I that, saw them. Oh, mate, you've definitely got brains. Yeah, I, I um, I was just watching, like I say, from here, and I just saw them, yeah, fixing me, operating on me. Do you think that was your spirit, though, or something like that, or soul, or maybe who knows, Dale? Who knows? So I'm just watching this whole experience, and again, it it went on forever, but there was no pain. It was just quite quite peaceful, in all honesty. It was just silent, just nothing. It was just just observing this whole thing that was happening in front of me. And again, it went on from what se- for what seemed to be forever. And I just watched and watched and watched. And then suddenly, they just disappeared. They just started to pack up and move on. They, they, they got all their stuff together and they just dissipated. They just went their separate ways. And then I'm just watching. They just, they just went. They just they went around the back and like, I couldn't see anything behind me. I'm just, just here. And they just all went. They just disappeared. This wasn't in the hospital. Was this in your? Own- this is in here. This is in the out of body experience at this Same time. Thing again, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the whole dream or out of body experience, yeah. near death experience, whatever you want to call it. This is the whole experience. So I'm watching them operate on me, and again, it's not painful. And then they just they went their own ways. Mm. So then, as I'm watching, like that again, suddenly, thing, these eyes, this, this, whatever this is. It's almost like a hoover was inside my head that I'm watching. So I'm laying there on the bed watching. And it's almost like there was a hoover inside the head of me sucking this, the eyes, into my head. So just imagine, say, if you had a hoover in your head and it's sucking something in. Yeah. So it literally sucked these eyes into my head. And then I'm back in my own body. That's got, I don't know. I've, that's got to be your soul spirit. It's got to be. It's got to be you. I don't know. know. So I'm back now. Bearing in mind, I'm back in my own body, and I'm I'm viewing this through my eyes now. Okay. This is still this is no this is still the whole out of body experience. Viewing it through my eyes now. Yeah. My body, as to say, and I'm just there, laying there, and I'm thinking, what next? What happens next? And again, I could have been laying for who knows how long. And all uh, bearing in mind, I'm not in a room. I'm not in a there's no walls or ceiling to this place. It's just just white, and there's just me, hospital bed, and just this curtain that sort of again just goes round like this shape around the front of me. And then all of a sudden, these curtains just slowly started to open in front of me. But then obviously, as they started to open, this I, I say it's like a supernatural bright white light, almost like the same that glistening light from that square. It shone through with such intensity. Like, again, I'm closing my eyes. I'm closing my eyes. But then I felt it just sort of calmed down a bit. So then now I can just slowly open my eyes. And then when I did obviously open my eyes, 
this is the next part that really sort of hit home and thought, wow. And that's what I've looked into recently with my story as well. So this next part was when I opened my eyes, I look out. Everywhere that I looked, I'm not in the room, I'm just in space. I don't know, just nothingness, like just white at this time. And as I looked around, I remember just seeing every single face that I'd ever seen in my life. It could be, say, friends from school, from childhood. It could be someone that I bumped into the, in the street, say, in London, for instance. Every single face that I'd ever seen was just there in this place. And I just watched and I looked and I looked. But then as I sort of made my eyes sort of down and closer and closer and closer, I looked right in front of me and I remember seeing every single person that really meant the world to me, like my true immediate family, say my mum, dad, grandparents, brothers, sister, they all stood there in front of, say, this, this bed, this experience that I'm having. But then the thing that I noticed with every single face that I saw is that they're all crying. They were just crying their eyes out, Dale. They were just sobbing, just tears streaming down their face. And again, everywhere I looked, I just saw these crying faces everywhere. And then I just started to panic to think, why are they crying? Like, what have I done? And then I just started to sort of cry myself a bit. And I thought, I need to grab their attention. So I was, I was waving, I was screaming, I was trying to shout, but no words were actually coming out of my mouth but just nothing so I'm waving I'm doing this like both hands I'm waving I'm, I'm trying to shout mom dad shout my brother's name sister's name nothing would come out and it was just like they were just staring right through me it was like I wasn't even there and again I just tried to grab their attention for forever how long just forever and I was just crying and I was thinking what can I do like what can I do to grab their attention Every single thing that I tried didn't work. So it got to the point, I literally, I give up. I cry my eyes, I closed my eyes and I was crying. I just leant back on my bed and I just, that was it, I just cried. But then as soon as I hit that pillow, bam, that hoover feeling again, that hoover sensation on my head. But this time it wasn't, say, in my head, it was on the outside. So imagine putting, say, the most powerful hoover you've ever seen on top of your head. And it was just like sucking this, these eyes out of my head. And I just felt that sensation of being sucked from the top of my head. And it just went, and it just sucked everything that was in here out. But then as it did, it literally took all of the white light with it, all of the brightness. It took everything with it. And it was just dark again. It was pitch black this time now. And then all I could hear in the distance was this, just this noise, which was beep. Beep, beep, just this quiet beeping noise. And I just thought to myself, that's my alarm clock's going off. Honestly, I just felt, I just thought it was an alarm clock. I just remember in my head, I was just thinking, there's an alarm clock going off. But then it got louder and faster. Beep, beep, and it was getting louder and louder and faster. And I was thinking, what's going on here? And in my body, bearing in mind, I was, this is still, everything's still dark, still, still, still black. I couldn't see anything. I could just hear this noise. And it was getting louder and faster. But my body went from being very, very cold to warm up. Body getting warmer. And then suddenly, I opened my eyes. And this is the time when I was actually awake for the very first time back on Earth, literally in the intensive care unit. And I was like, I am alive. I opened my eyes and I remember memory to that night prior to the attack everything come flooding black come flooding back and I remember looking down at myself and I had say needles penetrating my body I had these sticky pads all over me I looked down at my chest I had a tracheostomy this big huge I don't even know what you want to call it this big huge pipe in my throat and I was like what and like I say all those memories come flooding back and I remember I looked to the side and that beeping noise was beep beep Beep, and that was my life support machine that was keeping me alive. That was the machine that was been keeping me alive, or the machine that was helping me breathe. I don't know, whatever machine you want to call it. That was the machine there. It wasn't my alarm clock. It was that machine there. And like I say, those memories just come flooding back, and I remembered it 
in so much detail. And again, I just cried myself to sleep. And that time I was actually back on earth, cried myself to sleep. And that was it. I just felt I went back to sleep. And then I woke up the next morning, obviously, and I was back on earth. I was alive. And wow, wow, wow. (laughs) Dude. That's phenomenal. Was was anyone around to, when you woke up? Was it just just? It was the, just me, literally in the intensive care unit on my own, um, pitch black. So yeah, it, was not, it wasn't a nice room. There was no one there. I, I, apparently, I was being monitored um, throughout the night. They were they were keeping an eye on me to make sure everything was okay. But I didn't see anybody. There was no one there. Just me in this just dark, dingy room on my own. Wow! Thank God for your stubbornness and your dad. <laughs> That's where you get it from. And, mate, you've just, honestly, buddy, I just, you can't make that up. You cannot make that. That story, what the hell? You can't. Whatever you experienced, you experienced. And there's no way, shape or form that you'd be able to just say that on a whim, just off the cuff. Dude, and you've just sent so many people watching this, it's like an emotional Rollercoaster, Celestia. I don't. You must know Celestia. Yeah, yeah, Celestia. Yeah. Um, Hi, Celestia. Hi, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening as well. Oh wow, mate, you had me glued. I didn't know what to do, and I was really, dude. You don't know how hard it was for me to shut the hell up and listen to the whole thing. I, had. <laughs> I was like a little schoolboy, like, and what happened? What, what happened next? Whoa, whoa. But mate, honestly, that is that's absolutely phenomenal and incredible. And do you know what, Celestia just nailed it. Thank you for coming back. Heart agreed. <laughs> yeah, so now that I look into, say, my experience there, because I don't even start sharing this, say, uh, what was it, 2020, when I sort of told maybe one or two people on Instagram privately. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah, only not long after that, I started to do it because I thought, I don't want to share this experience with everyone. But then I thought, you know what, it's quite selfish not to share this experience now that I've done my research, etc. because only back in 2020, I actually told my mum. Yeah. I didn't well, tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone. I remember, I remember, I think, 2019 when I was going through uh, depression mm. I was I was in a pub with a good friend of mine and I actually opened up and I told him I sort of told him the story as we sat in this in this in this pub and he was mm. like what his eyes were just lit up and I was like serious that I've not told anyone I kept it all to myself but I what need to tell people for him to hear that first dude and, and uh dude puzzle, puzzle just said thank you for sharing this and um welcome back alive <laughs> <laughs> Little fairy, little little shooting star, and Megan loves it. You know, this this gets Megan every single time. Um, mate, it's it's just. I agree. I think that this story has to be shared with as many people as as possible because it's it's like your fight, almost like your spiritual fight that got you to where you are right now. And you know full well. I mean, for goodness' sake, Pete Cohen, the legend, as had you as one of the most inspirational people on clubhouse and there's a lot of people on clubhouse and you, every single time you share that you just so trigger so many people positively and i just think it would be a crime if you were if you were to keep that bottled up and stuff but but i want oh, do you know what i want to share as well actually mate i want to Please, share yeah. that you are more than this story you are a hell of a lot more than this story this story is powerful this story gets me every time i think i welled up halfway through that you bugger um <laughs> this week um and you are more than this story you are a hell of a lot more than this story you need to share that but for those of you that haven't heard ryan speak before that you're missing out on a treat because every single time i i, I speak to him every i hate well, i hear him every day like every day on clubhouse because we're part of the winner's room which is like a really great warm secure club on clubhouse where we can share and help each other out and you share and you're just like you, you just the just the phrases you come out with, the sayings that you say, it, it's it's just so heartwarming and motivational and inspirational. Um, you are gonna get absolutely, and I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you up if you don't continue, if you if you stop. You, you're you're not allowed. You're banned from stopping. I'm <laughs> going until we get you on like a massive international stage in front of like ten thousand, fifty thousand people. Seriously, because that it is such a crazy journey and i wanted to share what i share but i don't think we've only got a few minutes left so um i want to respect you and i want you to add anything you want to add mate because i just want to thank everyone for watching today 
Um, I was glued. I'm still going to talk to you again after this and just I'm going to annoy you by asking so many questions. But, mate, if there's anything that you, that you want to share or that you haven't shared at all just yet or, or, if, or where can people find you, what support are you doing, what are you doing now, are you being a coach, let's, let's serve you now, dude. Yeah, no, Dale, honestly, if anyone wants to find me, I'm, I'm literally Instagram is the best way to get me. Um, but, yeah, just a few, a few things that I'd say. Like, this is only just a small snippet of my story, Dale, which you know. Like, my story could – I could honestly speak for probably 24 hours nonstop and still not be done. <laughs> because I've, I've, I've had a lot of experience through my life. And I said this this morning, actually, in Clubhouse. Um, some people say I, I look 18. I am obviously 28. I've got the wisdom of an 82-year-old because I've had so much life experience. Um, but then you said, like, you're going to hold me accountable and not to not give up. Mm. And that's the thing. Like, I don't give up. I never give up on anything in my life, ever. Mm. I don't give up. Like, what's the point in giving up? Like, I, I don't want to go through life saying, thinking, what is? I want to see what is. Like, I want to see what it looks like at the end if I don't give up. Like, I want to see what my life can turn out to be if I never give up or stop trying and I honestly believe Dale like you said to come on here and speak about about say the meaning of death and like what happens after death etc and people can come up with all these different opinions etc and that everyone's entitled to their own opinions and my opinion on this whole thing especially from what I saw I believe in say the universe I don't believe in gods etc but I believe in the universe I honestly believe like there is someone or something out there that knows so much more than we as humans will ever know. And mm. I honestly believe that you never know the true meaning, say, of life, experience, death. Mm. Let the, the, the fear of death stop you from living. Let death be, say, motivation and inspiration to give you that, say, push you need. Let death inspire you to live your life people go through life and me too for a long period of time like i said to you earlier there like i was petrified of death it, it held me back from say advancing and moving on and challenging myself in life because i was petrified of death part of life like we as humans like experience death like it's sad to say but we will experience death like when we, when we're when we are living this experience called life like two things a 100% guarantee because not many things in this life are but two things are that we are all born and we will all die what are we doing between those two events that really matter most let death be a motivator and push you into living your life now at some point we are going to experience death am I just say existing believing tomorrow is guaranteed Death is inevitable. And I know like we're tight for time, Dale, etc. But I can I mean I can go on for a few more minutes if you can, my friend. Well, I, but we'll just cut off. Because do we only do it for an hour? I don't know. Let's keep going until it does. Go on. <laughs> right, just just envision this, people. Just envision this. Like I said earlier, I believe like we all have a creator or a maker. So just imagine that you manage to meet your maker. And it could be, I don't know, in the clouds or wherever you want it to be. But you're in this place and your creator, let's just say it's a person, it's, it's a human. And they invite you to come and say, sit down in front of them at this table. And you do, you accept the invitation and you walk there and you sit down. And as you sit down, you notice, say, there are two of these giant, big, thick books in front of you. And they welcome you. There you go. Read this one. This is the life that I'd created for you. You pulled the book, you pulled the manual towards you. And you start reading this manual. And you look at it and it's a picture book. And it's that life that was created for you. And you're looking and you're thinking, wow, I never experienced anything of this in my life. And you're flicking through and you're thinking, oh my God, like this life, like, wow, why, why didn't I get to experience this in life? And you're just looking at all these amazing experiences, all of the, the say, loved ones that you managed to get to spend time with, all of those people that you managed to help throughout life, etc. And you're just looking at this and thinking, wow, 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 this was made for me. And your maker, your creator, points towards the other book 
the other manual and says, but this is the life that you did live. And you open it up. And you just, you look and you say, you see some pictures and some experiences that, yeah, you obviously remember experiences. It could be, I don't know, first girlfriend, uh, child, etc. It could be children. It could be, I don't know, first car. It could be loads of little experiences. But then as you're flicking through, there's just pages of just nothingness. And you're thinking, oh my God, this is my life. Like, why didn't I go after all those things that I could have had? This is the manual that was created for me. And this is the life that I lived. And then you start to feel this guilt, this resentment, this regret. Because you know deep down now that you could never return to reapply, to live that life that was there for you all along. Never go back. I'm so sorry to say, guys, like, we only get one bat at this thing called life. So just imagine you got there to, say, meet your maker and you had these two manuals in front of you and they said, this was the life that I created for you all along. But you decided to, say, play the safe route and you went down a safe path and you played it safe and you just lived this. It could have been, say, a mediocre, it could have been a slightly happy life, but you knew deep down that there was, was more out there for you. You guys, is your dream life is out there? Just go out there and get it. Like, don't wait for the ma- manual. Create the manual yourself, dude. That's what that's that's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. You, you, Ryan. Everybody is amazing at quotes. He's like he's like an encyclopedia of quotes from. Do you want to say that to Ryan? By the way, no, you got to make your point. Come on, you're okay. <laughs> Laura's listening to this, by the way, dude. Have a quick hello, hello, Laura. Hi, Laura. How are you? Worried about not wearing any makeup, mate. I know. I've not slept all night. Not slept all night. Um, so the, the, what I was going to say was that you um, you're like an encyclopedia of motivation, analogies, acronyms, and they're amazing. They're so good. And I asked you the question about what. Yeah, I love all that, but I want to hear it from Ryan's authenticity. And that, that was a good one. I like that one. The, create your encyclopedia of life. I love that so much, dude. It's so, so important. Man. Um, okay, so I have to go literally, well, I'm supposed to go around about seven because I've got to, I've got to make dinner. Um, so um, quickly for me, um, yeah. what's next on the cast for you? I want to so, snipe yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Dale. So, Dale, you know full well already. Um, some of the guys don't know my whole journey because, in fairness, I haven't really I haven't really shared it on my Instagram as much. So that's another little thing that I'm going to start doing more of in the near or upcoming future. Start sharing more of my personal journey rather than say loads of quotes, which I love anyway. Um, so, guys, if you're listening and you haven't heard my full story yet, I've recently quit my one and only unfulfilled day job of over 13 years to follow my purpose, mission, and vision. So basically, I want to get out there on as many stages, podcasts, anywhere. Just get me out there and get me speaking because this isn't to say, this isn't ego, this isn't big-headed at all, but I know deep down that I've got a message that I need to share with the world because so many people are just taking day by day they just believing like they're going to wake up tomorrow. Mm. And like death is inevitable, guys. We do not know when our dreaded day of demise is like we don't know when our day of death is like no doctor can ever put a definite date on our day of death but you can literally go to the go to the doctors or to the hospital with a headache and not come out of that place that's what how precious life is dude i I just want to share my words to inspire people to live their life 100 percent. i know i know somebody that well i don't know them but know of somebody that stabbed himself in a thorn accidentally in the garden not with us anymore it's unexplainable it's unexplainable but that's just how precious this gift of life we are living it'll be the 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 biggest and best gift that we'll ever receive like life is such a gift to just use it guys just use it and just make the most of it and do not take any day for granted and make the most because like i say you'll never have this day again just make it count Dude, 
you're dead right. I love that. Like today, what's today is the fifth of September, twenty twenty one, and there is going to be no other day like this in the future ever, and there never was. Mm. Are you going to use your fifth of the ninth, twenty one? Are you going to use it, or are you going to let it cascade by? Um, we've we've got we've got a user do like the chances of us being here are insanely small. One in four hundred trillion. One in four hundred trillion. If we were to if we were to stand here and count to a million, you admit right now it would take twelve days. If we were to stand here and count to one billion, it would take thirty two years, I think. But if we were to stand here and count to one trillion, it would take thirty two thousand years. How big is that number? Thirty two thousand years, and that's just one trillion, not four hundred trillion. I know, right? Being here are just one in four hundred trillion. Like imagine, imagine if your mum and dad never met, or your grandparents one died in the war or something, you know, or like one, or one could be bothered to go out on the night out, and where they met in the pub, they thought, oh no, it's okay. Or anything could happen, but the, it's like you are, you are ri- ridiculously, ridiculously unique. For every grain of sand on this planet, there's a million stars to it out in space. Mm-hmm. And you, you, your, your uniqueness is like one trillionth of that. So, so the, use it. Dale, I love that one as well. The four hundred trillion to one because mm. some people literally. I've done some research into this, and they say, yeah, that could be the facts or the statistics. But it's basically the chances of you being born where you are from the parents that you were born with on the day, the time, etc. It's basically That's zero. Him. It's nothing. It's basically impossible. But that just goes to show that miracles do happen and we're all born winners. That race to get to, say, the sperm to the egg, we won that race. So if you're here watching this, you're a winner. Mm. But just as we finish up, Dale, because I know you're tight for time and you've got to make dinner. But guys, just listen to this one. Like, hey, Martin, mate. Cheers. If, if you're worried about, say, things in life, you just need to practice that gratitude. Gratitude. So Dale, if I say said to you then, if I give you, let's say, a million pounds, would you take it? Probably, yeah. <laughs> How would you feel? Feel pretty, pretty grateful, mate. I'd have to. Yeah? I'll, I'll, I'll invest it on you. I'll take you out. Okay. okay. All right. Let's say if I give you ten million pounds, yeah. would you take it? Ah, oh, hugely, hundred percent. So you're probably thinking, but what's the catch? Well, you're a great guy. But yeah, probably. Yeah, so you're probably thinking, why would someone just give me ten million pounds? And what's the catch? Okay, here's the catch. I'm going to give you ten million pounds cash today. Just cash, all yours. Do what you want with it. But the only condition is, wake up tomorrow. Oh, would you take the cash? Ah, oh. my word! You are dunning. I would. No, I wouldn't, mate. I you wouldn't, wouldn't take ten million cash to not wake up tomorrow ever again. I'd, I'd, I'd choose life, bro. How much? How much would it take? I've got too much to do on this planet, man. It wouldn't. There's not enough money on the planet that would do that. That's a great answer. And to be fair, Dale, that's the same answer that I would say. Oh right. Do, do you know what? That's, do you know what that's true? Go on. Life is absolutely priceless, my friend. Priceless. No amount of money. No cars. No watches. No homes. Buy. Your life. Mm. Every day, you are living a miracle. You are living the biggest gift that you will ever receive. So don't ever let one single day go to waste, people. God. Hug you again. (laughs) (laughs) It's so awesome. You're dead. Oh, man. You're dead dead right, dude. Um, Okay, so I want... I want everyone right now, if you're not doing this already, just 1,000% follow Ryan Nurse immediately. And if you know of anybody that's got a podcast or that's doing Instagram Lives or part of a a magazine or something, then put him forward and send him a DM. I I don't care if he doesn't want you to. I want you to send him a DM right now. And I want you to say, yeah, I know this, I know this person, I know this person. These these people can help out. Um, And if you can, buddy, remember Tiberius, I said, message him if you can. I'm going to message him as well because it's... Can you send me his details just so I make sure I've got the right person, please? 100%, mate. 100%. Absolutely. Um, 
Well, dude, we've known each other for a long time, as in, well, well, I say a long time, a year. So six months, but it feels like such a long time. It feels like forever. It's every single day we hear each other. Every day. Every day. Or I hear you every day. Um, That's mad, isn't it? It's like, literally, I've probably probably heard your voice more than my friends that I've known for like 10 years. How mad's that? And have we met in person, Dale? Was it once or twice? I think it's just once, wasn't it? Once. Um, once oh, oh dude what's this picture said if you were to look through the hole of a needle in space it would contain uh ten thousand galaxies wow 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 no way Guys, we are literally living miracles yeah and look what this put this at how rare we are and it is a miracle. no you're right it is a miracle yeah when and i say to i say to kids and i do a big speech about it there's nothing special about you whatsoever and then I do my speech, and I say, because you're a freaking miracle, every single time. Um, so, yeah, dude, oh, mate, I, I want to carry on, I want to carry on, I've got... Um, but I'm definitely going to see you this month, we're going to rock it. Um, everyone, so make sure you follow Ryan, please reach out to him. Um, help, I want him to be on more podcasts. Uh, Lord, do you want to sing a She's so sleepy. <laughs> Look how round her head is. So round. Don't be mean, though, you go and make dinner. Sorry. Sorry, oh, no. in the kitchen, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna hurt me after this. Um, bro, amazing. So gonna do this again. I want you to be on more podcasts. Sniper and you, two podcasts this month at least. Yeah, thanks, Dale. And yeah, anyone listening wants me me to be on their podcast, I'm more than happy. So I just want to say thank you for every single person uh, that's listened and that's commented as well. Thank you so much, and I appreciate your. You're amazing, dude. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna. If I'm allowed to, by the way, I'm gonna save this. If I'm allowed to, if I've got storage or whatever, I'm gonna save it so you can be able to see it. Ryan, you're a blessing. You, you are. Well, you are the angel looking through your own eyes. So thank you, my friend. Amazing things coming from you in the future. There is amazing things now, but even phenomenal things in the future. Thank you, Dale. I appreciate you, my friend. And yeah, we we'll speak soon. And everybody. Go and make the most of your Sunday. Have a great evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world, and just enjoy life, people. Perfection. Nice one, buddy. See you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> There's been many teachers and educators that have been reaching out to me, and I have created a free webinar that's going to help them create their own coaching consultancy to help make an impact in kids lives and also help give them a bit more of freedom and a bit more income in fact the webinar is called the three step coaching principles for educators wanting to escape the education system and make a greater impact in children's lives whilst at the same time creating more freedom and income and the most important thing about this is we are going to learn how to set up your own coaching consultancy without sacrificing family time because there's a lot of overwhelm. We'll be speaking about how to get clients on social media. We'll be speaking about how to help kids open up with the share model that I created myself and amongst other things. So if you are interested in that, please send me a DM on Instagram, which is at Dale Vincent Coaching and the word kid coach. That's it all one word it can be in capitals it can be lowercase kid coach send me that and i will send you a link to the webinar the free webinar which will be on the 24th of november i believe it's a wednesday and i'm looking forward to hearing from you so if you want to make a powerful shift in your life then that's all you've got to do just send me an instagram message which is kid coach i can't wait i'm super excited thank you again and i hope you enjoyed this episode and please feel free to leave a powerful review so we can spread the word super super important in the meantime carry on having a powerful day